November. Uh, with that, I'll transition into the time of teaching. Pastor Rich Lynn will be preaching this morning. But one of the things that we've been doing during this series on the Lord's Prayer is reminding ourselves, uh, speaking of Reformation Day and the fact that uh, our roots are uh, not only 500 years back, but way before that, uh, back in the founding of the church. And the church literally throughout the ages has prayed this prayer that we're working through line by line in this series. And as a reminder of that, uh, just to kind of set our minds as widely as this prayer covers, uh, we've been reading the Lord's Prayer in different languages every week, uh, just to hear it, just to remind ourselves that not only through the ages has this prayer been prayed, but all over the world, even this morning, it's being prayed. So this morning, um, I'm going to welcome Ruth up, and she's going to read for us. Hi, everybody. My name is Ruth Chin. Um, I lived in France for a year during college, and so I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer in French. Notre Père, qui est aux cieux, que ton nom soit sanctifié, que ton règne vienne, que ta volonté soit faite sur la terre comme au ciel. Donne-nous aujourd'hui notre pain de ce jour. Pardonne-nous nos offenses, comme nous pardonnons aussi à ceux qui nous ont offensés. Et ne nous laisse pas entrer en tentation, mais délivrons-nous du mal. Car c'est à toi qu'appartiennent le règne, la puissance et la gloire pour les siècles des siècles. Amen. That's fun. I love the chance. Uh, so yeah, uh, so yesterday uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun playing laser tag with with some of the guys. I just wanted to say that uh, we don't discriminate. If the ladies, if you guys want to play laser tag, you can do that as well. You guys, you ladies, will have just as much fun with that. So uh, yeah. Uh, my name is Rich Lynn. I'm uh, my privilege to serve as an elder here. And uh, today, we uh, continue our series on the Lord's Prayer. And we are walking through and studying the prayer that Jesus gave us as a model for how we should pray. And not only that, as we've seen through uh, these last few weeks, it's much more deep and complex. Um, and as we pray the words and the petitions to God, we also allow the prayer to guide us uh, to mold us and point us towards what our relationship with God, with others, with ourselves should look like. And so today, we have arrived at this particular section, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Uh, so we're going to split this up. So today, actually, we're only going to focus on forgive us our sins. Tyler Stowell next week will be uh, speaking on the next half 
as we forgive those who sin against us. So we, you may notice some differences if you've been in church, if you've gone to church for a while, a few variations of this part of the prayer. Uh, we, we use the Luke version, forgive us our sins. In Matthew, you'll notice it's forgive us our debts. And other translations, other variations, you may have repeated forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our transgressions. The reason for this is that the word used in the original language had a wide variety of meanings, centering around the idea that something needed to be paid, that there's an obligation to pay. So in saying forgive us our debts, or essentially cancel or wipe out our debts, Jesus is uh, using a financial term used to convey the, the spiritual concept of forgiveness. So in Manhattan, between West 42nd and West 43rd Street, uh, there is a national debt clock. I don't know if you've ever seen this or been there. It's a digital billboard. with uh, It's in real time. It's just a count up of the US deficit. And there's also an accompanying website. And there it is, usdebtclock.org. Uh, the accountants right now are like, ooh, numbers. Yeah. Uh, any finance majors, economists? No? OK, so you're, this is not as exciting for you then. Uh, but if you'll see, there's a lot of stats. But up on the top left, it's uh, red, huge numbers ticking up constantly. And you can go there anytime on your phone and just look, oh, what's, what's, our, uh, what's the US deficit at this moment? So I mean, it's, if you look at it, the, the numbers are it's staggering. Uh, the, the red, the amount of red is, is just a lot. It's a lot to, to, to take in. And I'm not an economist by any means or an expert, but I don't think we are uh, going to pay that off. <laughs> in, uh, in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, Paul says, And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, for having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with it, to the cross. The cross was the only way that, as the verse said, our record of debt that stood against us was canceled. And it was canceled not because God decided that he would sweep all our wrongs under the rug or just snap his fingers to make it go away, but it was because the debt was canceled. It was paid in full through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross on our behalf. That is the gospel. So an interesting thing is that when we pray this prayer, forgive us our sins, we are asking God to do something that has already happened. It's not, a, it's not like magic words. It's not a cheat code. I don't know if you, any of you remember up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA. No? No? OK. Yes, so if you played, uh, if you played Nintendo in the 80s or 90s, uh, you, there's a series of buttons you press that activates a cheat 
in the game where you get extra lives? Uh, no? Not, not a thing? Yeah, there you go. Uh, it, so, I mean, they don't do that anymore. Uh, but that was a thing where you, you know, had a series of things that you would do to get extra lives or a bonus or something like that. So this is not a cheat code. We don't pray words. We don't have, you know, get a certain amount of guilt or remorse about what we've done, and so God will forgive us. We don't activate God's forgiveness through this prayer. If you have placed your faith in Christ, before you even pray those words, you were forgiven. So that begs the question, then why do we, why do we pray it? Why is this, why is forgive us our sins included in this model that Jesus taught us to pray? First, we pray forgive us our sins to remind us of our spiritual needs. Uh, even if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, our prayers may tend to lean towards the physical, the more tangible. I know that's often the case for me. Uh, life is full of many struggles, a lot of difficulties. We have a lot of needs. We have wants. And they oftentimes take front and center in our prayers and need our attention, and we want God to give attention to them. But we must pray, forgive us for sins, remind us of our spiritual needs. So I wanted to look at a couple of accounts during Jesus' time on earth. Uh, forgiveness, God's forgiveness was very central to what he was doing when he was here, what he taught, what he demonstrated. And uh, so we're going to turn, well, actually we're going to put it up, Mark 2. If you like to turn, if you like to read paper, uh, you can grab a Bible in front of you. Uh, we also put it up on the screen here. Mark 2, verses 2 to 12. I'm going to read that for you to follow along. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, Jesus, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let, the down, let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, why does, it, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. I love that story. love that account. Uh, but no, those, are, uh, those four friends are great, aren't they? they uh, those are the kind of friends you want in your corner. 
And so they came to Jesus. They knew that he was the only one that could heal their friend, their paralyzed friend. The man who was paralyzed knew that Jesus was his only hope to walk again. And they would go through a lot of effort to make that happen. Uh, can you imagine being the owner of that house as he sat in there listening to Jesus and chunks of ceiling fell down? If I were, if I were there, I'd be, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too happy. Uh, so after going through that much trouble and effort, it was very obvious what they wanted Jesus to do. They wanted their friend to be healed. The man who was being lowered down through the roof, everyone watching, wanted to be healed. And Jesus, contrary to what everyone present thought would happen, leads off with, son, your, son, your sins are forgiven. And in doing this, Jesus knew his audience. He knew who was listening. Because first, he was telling and showing them that he had the authority to forgive sins. And he, and he said that clearly. And he also is being clear that he wasn't just here to heal our physical needs. He wasn't here just to heal the, the sick. But he was here, uh, he was here to, ooh, it's like a tongue twister. He was here to heal our spiritual needs, to restore our broken relationship with God. And second, in leading off with son, your sins are forgiven, Jesus is also saying, you're coming to me with what you think you need the most. And make no mistake, this, for this man, this is a huge need. Um, Jesus tells him that you think that this is your greatest need, but in reality, your greatest need is a right relationship with God and for your sins to be forgiven. And I, and I say this, knowing that for many of you, there are huge needs, physical. There are, there are huge needs in your life. There are hurts in your life that you, uh, that you need God to help you with. And Jesus is aware. It is not uh, new to him what your needs are, but... Um, and then we see that Jesus ultimately does perform the miracle. He ultimately does heal this man, and he walks again. He does not minimize or push aside our physical needs, but only to tell us that our spiritual need is greater. And so we pray, forgive us our sins to remind us of that spiritual need. Second, uh, we pray, forgive us our sins to acknowledge that our sin is still a barrier a flourishing relationship with God. A few weeks ago, I got into an argument with my wife, Liz Ann. It was the first time we ever argued. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, so, I mean, it wasn't the first time we actually disagreed on, on this certain situation. Uh, but for, for some reason, this time, I, I, I lost my mind. I, I lost it. Uh, you know, anything I learned during emotionally healthy Discipleship, gone. I threw it out the window. Um, yelling, I was ranting and raving at her, uh, and really also at nobody in particular, just to, to the sky. Uh, and I spoke very harshly. Uh, excuse me, I was angry. Um, and I was angry for about two days. And during those two days, our relationship was just completely off kilter. 
Uh, we barely spoke to each other. Uh, it carried over for me to uh, my relationship with my kids. It affected other areas of my life very poorly and uh, in a terrible mood. And at the end of the second day, I, I ended up, I mustered up a, an apology. And somehow it ended with me uh, blaming her for how I acted. And they, they call that a rookie mistake. And uh, it took me another couple days to finally seek out true forgiveness from her. Uh, and it was only then that uh, we began to, began to mend our relationship, to communicate again, uh, to get on the same page, and just being able to enjoy being with each other. Uh, now, my wife is by no means God, even if she does frequently show me the love of Christ. And the dynamics between forgiveness between two human beings is, is vastly different than the dynamics between us and God. However, it did show me that my sin against my wife became a barrier for me having a, a healthy, flourishing relationship with her. And all sin is ultimately a wrong against God, our Creator. And being imperfect pe people, the barrier, our sinfulness, is still there and prevents us from a deep and healthy connection to God. Now, a mistake we can make when we pray, uh, this part of the prayer, is that we imagine God having a checklist. You know, on it, he's listing everything that we've ever done wrong or we have done wrong in the past however long since the last time we spoke with him. And, his key, and he's ready with that list and, and is waiting for us to come to him and just go through the list. You know, I did this, check it off. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, that was pretty bad. All right, but now you're good. Now we're good. You're forgiven. We checked the list off. In fact, that is not it. No, no we do. We pray, forgive us our sins, not to feel like we have to rack our brains for every single thing that we, we've done wrong and bring it to God and say, God, check this off. I'm sorry. No, we pray, forgive us our sins. We pray it with humility and hope. We pray to a gracious and loving and just God in order to reflect on the areas in our life that are a barrier to a full and right relationship with him. And we ask him to remove them. And so as we pray it, we should remember some of God's promises. And I'll read a couple to you. And Psalm 32.5 says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Also in Psalms 103, 10 to 11, it says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So we pray, forgive us our sins, to acknowledge that our sin is a barrier to a flourishing relationship with God. Thirdly, we pray, forgive us our sins, to humble us and move us to love others. So we look at another account 
here in Luke uh, 18, uh, verse 9 to 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, the man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. For everyone who humbles himself, or for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So notice that the Pharisee's prayer was, was very comparative. Uh, he thanks God that he is not like other men. I'm up at this level. Everyone else, they're way down here. You know, I do these things more so than, than them. I do the right things and I follow the rules more than the other people. They don't. I do. And it's so easy when we approach forgiveness to get into this comparison mode. Uh, at, least, at least I'm not like the liberals. At least I'm not like the conservatives. At least I go to church. At least I have not abandoned my faith. Uh, we take these sinful labels. We take these categories like this Pharisee, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, tax collectors. And we see if we fit into any of those categories. No, we don't? Okay. Thank God I'm not like that. However, the same sinfulness that exists in a person that extorts money from the impoverished or who traffics human beings exists in us. Before a holy God, the same forgiveness that they need, whoever you want to put in the they category, is exactly the same that we need. It was not harder for Jesus to give up to lay down his life for them as it was for you. And so we forgive us, our, we, we pray, forgive us our sins with humility because as uh, Jesus taught in this, in this parable, because we are justified. We pray with the posture of, of, um, of the posture of have mercy on me, God, so that, as it says, we will be lifted up. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. We'll look at another account here, Luke 7, 36 to says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table, 
in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, this extraordinary sum, and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered the house, or your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she was wet with but she has wet my feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time she, I came in she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Uh, there's a lot going on here. So it could be a, a sermon in itself. But what I wanted to focus on was what Jesus said at the end when speaking to Simon. He says, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And so Jacob's well, my prayer is for us to be people who realize that we are forgiven much. In verse 37, uh, this woman was referred explicitly to as a sinner, while Simon, on the other hand, was a Pharisee. He was the model citizen. So were the woman's sins greater than Simon's? If you know, uh, if you have read about or know about, what, about Jesus' time on earth, his track record would indicate that no, they were not. It was her realized need for forgiveness that allowed her to pour out her love in that way. And so when we pray, forgive us our sins, we pray humbly, realize that we have been forgiven much. And as a result, it moves us to love much, to love God and to love others. And so the last thing I want to mention uh, about forgive us our sins is the corporateness of the prayer. Uh, we pointed this out in previous weeks. Uh, we've seen how it says, Our Father in heaven, and give us this day our daily bread. And so we can pray together, forgive us on behalf of the church. We can pray, help us as a church see our need for you, Jesus. Help us see our need for forgiveness. Forgive us for not loving you with all our hearts, souls, and minds. Forgive us for loving political power, for loving convenience, entertainment, wealth, more than the lowly, more than the outcast or unlovable, or more than those who disagree with us. 
we can even get broader. We can go, get broader in our vision for this prayer. We can pray on behalf of a world full of suffering and injustice, desperate for, uh, desperate for forgiveness, for wrongs to be made right. I'm going to put a quote up here. When I read it, it's great. It's a, a different way of, of looking at this prayer uh, to, to lift up our eyes above, beyond just ourselves. This is from N.T. Wright in his book, uh, The Lord and His Prayer. The quote is, uh, To pray this prayer is therefore in its largest meaning to pray for the world. Forgive us our trespasses. Lift up your eyes for a moment, away from your own sins and those of your immediate neighbor, and see the world as a whole, groaning in travail, longing for peace and justice. See the endless tangles in which politicians and power brokers get themselves, and the human misery that results. As we pray this prayer for the world, let us be alert to new visions of what the living God wants us to aim at in our society. This identification with the brokenness of the church, with the brokenness of the world, draws us towards others. It should cause us not to hold those who are in need of God's forgiveness at a distance, but to have compassion on those who are suffering and in need of a Savior. And I pray that God would show us how he wants us to participate in his forgiveness and his redemption for the world. So what are some applications as we, as we go from here? Uh, first, uh, we should remember to include confession and repentance to the Lord as a regular part of our prayer life. Uh, even as I'm up here speaking to you, I know for me this is uh, convicting. You know, it's so easy to pray about so many other things. There are so many big boulders in life that you want you need God to move. But as often as you pray for your needs, pray for and experience God's forgiveness. Ask for him to reveal to you and remind you of the sins that are keeping you from a full, uh, a full relationship with him, from loving him fully, and from loving others fully. Second, uh, let's, let's start praying this in the context of community. Uh, if we all need it, we ought to be able to pray it together. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And, uh, you know, this, this may be tough. You know, for you, this could mean reaching out to a trusted friend, a member of, of the church here. could mean reaching out to a pastor. Uh, if you're really struggling in your sins, if you feel like you're in so deep, you feel like God is just is never going to forgive you, if it seems like you're constantly going to God before him with immense guilt and shame, if you're, uh, if you're fighting addictions or if your sins are harming yourself or others, uh, it's time to, to reach out, to, to have someone uh, come alongside you and pray with you and to help you. The, uh, the forgiveness of sin, the canceling of your debt is made, that's made possible through Jesus is limitless and unending. There's nobody that's beyond his reach. And so 
It may be time, just like the, the man that needed his four friends to lift him, to bring him to Jesus. Uh, you may need someone to bring you to Jesus to be healed. Lastly, uh, maybe you've never prayed and asked God for forgiveness before. Maybe this is a new concept to you. Uh, maybe you've been unwilling to admit your need for forgiveness before God. Uh, know that God, the creator of the universe, loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. So much so that he sent Jesus, his son, to make that happen, to suffer and die so that it could be possible. And all it takes is to accept that and put your faith in Christ and what he did. So if you would like to pray, forgive me my sins for the first time, now we'd love to help you with that. You can talk to somebody, talk to me, Pastor Scott, Pastor Minoj, maybe the friend who brought you here. We'd love to help you do that. Um, and so let's all rise. We've been uh, praying the Lord's Prayer together. We're going to put it up. Let's pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.